Channel Managers, welcome to the FPL Optimized Podcast. This is our second season and we're recording episode number 51 today. We reached a big milestone last week as we published the 50th episode and we'll reach another milestone any minute now as we're on the verge of surpassing the 50,000 downloads mark. Pretty exciting stuff and a big thanks to you for always tuning in. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Surtop, the data scientist. If you're new to the podcast, this is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question which we aim to answer on a weekly basis. I was away for a few weeks, but Surtop kept going and recorded two new episodes in which, we, in which he hosted FPL Spaceman and Formadillo as guest speakers. I enjoyed listening to those discussions. I hope you did as well. So Surtop benefited from my absence by inviting more folks from the analytics camp. But as of today, I'll do my best to represent the grass side of things again. For the new season, we have reworked the format a bit, taking some learnings from last year. Surtop, would you like to talk about our plans a bit? Yeah, of course. And welcome back to the pod. I was, Thank you. <laughs> you know, I it was that. lonely without you here. <laughs> yeah, so for this season's plan, podcast plan, we will have a fixed content each week. Last season, we were mostly based on answering questions uh, that we received from Twitter and Discord. But this season, we have decided to go a little bit with a more like, fixed content. Uh, mm. And we will cover these topics. The first one will be accuracy of models. Uh, I think it's very important uh, for the analytics side of you know, analytics managers that yep. we have these prediction models or projection models, I should say, but mm -hmm. we don't know which ones are more accurate uh, and for which positions, for which teams, maybe, you know, there's a certain model that models a certain team particularly well, but not the others. So okay. we will be investigating the accuracy of uh, seven models, FBI Review, Mikhail Tokwam, Fantasy Football Hub, Fantasy Football Scott, Fantasy Football Fix, Draft Hunt, and FBL.team. And mm -hmm. if we come across another data source, we will try to add that too. But I think these are the major models, uh, the commercial models available. And we will be reporting their mean absolute error and root mean squared error every week so that you will have a better understanding of which models are, well, more accurate and uh, they are doing a better job. And the second one will be the data source uh, predictions for the next game week. Yeah. Um, so we will try to split it by uh, attack and defense, and it will serve as a fixture ticker, uh, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, because normally when we check the fixture difficulty ratings from these you know, fancy tables uh, from websites, I mean, they tell only part of the story. Now that we have lots of prediction model available, uh, we can easily, you know, take the average and see which teams are better to aim and which teams have maybe like better offense than their defense or yeah. if there are any danger, dangerous fixtures that you need to be aware of. Okay. And the third one will be the discrepancies is in prediction data. So mm -hmm. we will try to report the players with the biggest variation among data sources. And you can think this as... Um, like, for example, sometimes FBI review says that, you know, Saka will get lots of points, but then uh, 
maybe Fantasy Football Scott's model says, no, that's not the case. I mean, he probably won't get that many points. Yeah. So there are usually players that models agree with. For example, you know, every model says Holland will get lots, lots of points. But we will right. try to unravel, you know, which players that the models have the biggest difference among them. And we will try to focus on the players that is highly owned uh, by the FPL managers. Yeah. And the fourth one will be ideal wildcard team. So we have been doing this over the last season too, but this season we will be also using sensitivity analysis uh, starting from actually the next episode. Uh, so we will run with sensitivity analysis to try to see, you know, not we, we won't give you only a single squad, but we will talk about, you know, what's the best picks in terms of like goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and forwards. So that you can actually try to find maybe the players that you can bring in. Yeah. And as always, we will try to answer questions, but we will try to keep the content or the length of the podcast pretty short every week. So we will try to get, you know, lesser number of questions uh, every week, or we will answer less number of uh, questions every week, but we will try to keep them relevant. Yeah. At least that's the ambition to keep it short. It won't be easy, yeah. but uh, also, yeah, of course, we want to make it easy to listen to. Yeah. All right, well, that sounds like a good plan. And uh, let's see how it will go. Of course, we'll stay agile. Mm-hmm. And your feedback or suggestions, uh, dear listeners or viewers, uh, will always be welcome. For today, we'll make a start already with that new concept. However, as we're still in a bit of a special period of the FBL season, as everyone is doing their tinkering for the, the first game week team, uh, we also might cover a few other elements as well. So for today, we cannot say too much yet about mm-hmm. the accuracy of the models, as we'll only be able to do that after game week one, uh, once we have some actual data to compare to the predictions. Uh, however, Surtab, I think it could be good if you remind everyone again which models exist and how you will be using them. And I think, yeah, you went over a list already uh, just earlier, but anything you wanted to add maybe here? Yeah, I just want to maybe, well, for especially for the new listeners, I would like to go over, you know, what these prediction models are and what they are trying to do. Right. So essentially what's happening is, well, everyone has their own way of doing this, but you know, when you're talking with your buddies about the fantasy football in general, what you do is you try to give a, you know, strength, or you you try to measure the strength of the teams. Like, you look at the, you know, latest results from, let's say, Newcastle United, and you say that, oh, their defense is really good. They keep getting clean sheets. And so based on that, you are trying to predict that, or okay, they, they are... Uh, they will have a game against a very uh, weak opponent offensively yeah. so that there's a bigger chance of them getting another clean sheet and then you bring more Newcastle United defenders, for example. Yeah. So essentially what, that's what models are trying to do, the same thing. So they look at the past data and they try to measure how strong teams are based on which players are available and you know injuries or, and these kind of things also affect. Because mm-hmm. like even if the let's say Newcastle United defense is really good, if you know that their key defender is injured, you know that you can't really expect the same level of uh, like clean sheets going forward. So models take all these things into consideration. They take uh, 
old performances and not only the actual clean sheets but also they check stuff like how many shoots they have considered and how many of these shots were really big threats and maybe you know they got a clean sheet because the their opposition were really bad they were not you know doing good defensively so they look all of these they try to predict what will happen in the next game obviously it is not a single prediction by itself you give a probability so for example if you know that 100% that you know Manchester City will get a clean sheet next game yeah you know that that's 6 points for the goalkeeper and assume that there's no bonus and if it is almost guaranteed that they will concede a goal then you know yeah. that the goalkeeper will get 2 points that's certain right but what if, you know, someone tells you that I simulated the the game week repeatedly and there's almost like a 10% chance of Manchester City getting a clean sheet, then you actually multiply these probabilities with how many points they get if, if it happens, like 10% times uh, 6 plus 90% times 2, and then you get... You know, you find a value, that's what we call expected value, and it is 2.4 in this case. Yeah. And 2.4, for example, is a very low expected value. I mean, you probably don't want to bring a player with that low of an expected value. And it also makes sense if you, if I'm talking with you, if I say that, okay, I will bring a, you know, Luton defender, and you will be saying that, well, they're not that good defensively. Like, are you sure they won't be getting clean sheets? That's the yeah. whole the meaning of the model so yeah. every model is using a different set of inputs because i mean they are being modeled by different people they are using different machine learning models or what, what kind of whatever uh, model they are using so there are always differences between them it's not like you know it's the bible and you need to follow it to the letter but yeah. sometimes i don't know like maybe Mikkel is paying more attention to recent performances but reviews model is based more based on underlying stats instead of actual right. goals, then they will arrive to different conclusions. Usually this, you know, similar, but sometimes different. So that's yeah. what we will try to well cover. So these, these, this is what the prediction models are. And that's why we are interested in the accuracy of them. And we will be trying to, you know, take the average or ensemble them so that we will have a better idea. Yeah. And it's actually great that you explain that because, you know, we often talk about review and Mikael Tokvam and Hub and Scout um, and indeed maybe not everybody understood uh, what that is or who those people are. <laughs> uh, so it's good that you went over it and maybe just for full clarity. So if you talk about a model and the prediction, so is this then, you know, this is not a, man a person manually updating in, updating an Excel sheet, right? But this is really somebody who spent a lot of time developing formulas and models to make such kind of predictions. I think every model yeah. starts with someone playing in a spreadsheet, you know, adjusting right. team values. Most people start that way. Right. And then they eventually realize that, okay, this is, there's something else I need to add to my model. It gets, you know, more and more complicated. And eventually right. you arrive to a point that you probably need to, you know, use a programming language to make it more automated. Yeah. And for example, FBI review has almost like an automated update every maybe hour or so. Mm -hmm. So when you are using the website, you might realize that, okay, a few hours ago, it was predicting 8.5, you know, expected value for Holland. And now it is 8.2. Yeah. 
and you might be wondering what has changed. I mean, it's still the same, you know, player. So what changes is um, betting odds change as people, you know, more people bet on, you know, goal scoring probabilities and bets. So if a model is using that as an input, obviously you want to, you know, rerun everything. I know that Mikael Tokvam is pushing only a, you know, a handful of updates every game week, maybe one or once or twice. If it is towards the double game week, you know, period, he shares more updates. But his model, for example, is more like he does it. He, you know, checks every if if everything looks correct, and then he shares with his subscribers on Patreon. And I know that Hub and Scott and Fix again, they these are websites, so they are kind of more automated in a way. And yeah, everyone is has a different way of doing this, but. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, usually it starts with a single person playing with the spreadsheet. You're right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and this is then also I think a shout out to all those people because they they spend a lot of time and they do a lot of work. And uh, based on their work, uh, we can also uh, provide the analysis in this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that being clarified, so I think uh, we have a good understanding about the the data we're using. Uh, is there anything you can say already about what the data is telling us for the initial game weeks? Okay, so I prepared a visual for this. Let me go over it. Um, and for the people who are listening, I will be going over the uh, values that we are also sharing in the video content. So I took four models, only four of them. I mentioned seven models uh, previously, but I used only four of them because not every model is giving you an expected minute data. And expected minute is, you know, sometimes useful to understand, you know, if if a model says that, you know, Holland will get 8.2, like, do you assume that he will play the entire game or maybe, you know, part of the game? So that's kind of relevant. And I prepared... Um, you know, the data, I checked the data for the average projected points per 90 minutes uh, for every team, uh, split by defense and offense. And mm-hmm. I use these four data sources, I average them, and that's what we call an ensemble model. And mm-hmm. ensemble model is good in terms of reducing the error, because if they're, well, every model has some signal and some noise, and if they are using different kind of inputs, hopefully by, you know, taking their average, you are hoping to minimize the error too. And so, again, going forward, we will be uh, checking how accurate models are and we'll adjust their weight. Uh, pretty similar to how like 538 was doing for the political polls. So we will try to see which models are more accurate and adjust the weights. But for this game week one data, I just took the you know straight average of four models. Yeah. And and then I sorted the teams based on their uh, strengths. So Manchester City is obviously the number one team and their defense average across the horizon from game week one to game week six for defenders is 4.5 points. So for any player you're choosing from Manchester City, I mean, obviously some players, if they are more nailed, uh, they, they will have a better... A chance of getting more points but this is kind of like a fixture ticker for for yeah. us so okay. if you are getting a Manchester City defender in the long run you can expect 4.5 uh, expected ma- value over the you know horizon and for offense it is 5.5 so these two are the highest in the league so yeah. well 
you you will probably want to you know maximize the number of players from city obviously but their offense is better than their defense almost around a 1.0 expected value and that's the, usually the case for all the teams because like you can you can lose your clean sheet only once but you can score multiple goals so offensive expected value is tend to be higher than defensive right. expected value that's yeah. you know kind of why sometimes people don't want you know five defenders in their teams mm-hmm. um so i will go over some of the things that i have uh, noticed here okay give me a second while i'm yeah. pulling up my notes Okay, so the first thing I noticed is, um, so by the way, the order of the teams are Manchester City first, Arsenal comes second, and then we have Liverpool, Newcastle, uh, Brighton, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham, Brentford. And among these teams, uh, the ones that I want to talk about are, first of all, Arsenal. I mean, they are the number two team here, and they are only kind of dangerous fixture over this horizon is game week four against Manchester United at right. home. So even though their defender average is 4.1 in terms of expected value, in this game it is 3.5. So mm. it is a little bit, you know, I mean, it's not the worst expected value. We will cover some really bad ones in a second. But yeah. if possible, maybe having a game week four coverage would be nice. And I see that for that game week, I mean, one of the you know, best defense, uh, defensive expected values by Chelsea, 4.3 against uh, Nottingham Forest. So mm. maybe you can consider having, a, you know, Arsenal defender only to be replaced by a Chelsea defender. Or maybe you can have a Chelsea defender in your bench, hopefully right. to replace it. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. And Liverpool is obviously, um, well, they are... Defense is 4.0 over the whole horizon. I mean, it's obviously mm-hmm. worse than uh, City and Arsenal. But their offense is 4.6. Uh, not the worst, but their no. second game week is especially good. I mean, everyone knows that the right. Bournemouth game is good. But right. mathematically and then numerically, if you are wondering, they are projected to get 4.7 expected value per defender and 5.2 points in offense, mm-hmm. so midfielders and forwards. So, well, offensively, it's a really favorable fixture. But again, it is, you know, sandwiched between Chelsea game and Newcastle game where they have not so good expected value. So mm-hmm. I think most people have are having this dilemma of going without Liverpool players, and I think we'll right. talk about it in the, yeah. uh, later. And... Yeah, I mean, that fixture is really, really good, really favorable. 5.2 is, you know, one of the highest values in this uh, table in general. Um, And Newcastle defense is 3.8 and offense is 4.4 in average, but they have two tough fixtures. And despite that, I mean, these are their values. So they have both Manchester City in game week two, Ebay and Liverpool. Liverpool game is a little bit interesting if you uh, compare it. Liverpool's uh, defense rating in Newcastle game is 3.2 and offense is 3.9. But Newcastle's <laughs> defense against Liverpool is 3.6 and offense is yeah. 4.4. So they are be- 
better both right. in defense and offense uh, in that game. So yeah. even though Liverpool fixture is difficult, if you just check a fixture ticker, probably you see a red color for this fixture. Models think that Newcastle has a you know good chance of, well, a better chance of keeping a clean sheet and also getting an yeah. offensive return. And that so, could be maybe the difference in home advantage that's being included. I I think so. Yes, that's yeah. definitely affecting it. Yeah. And so. So yeah, Liverpool, and then comes the Brighton game. Uh, so for example, for for the Brighton game, they're playing away game week four. So their ratings drop a little bit from three point six to three point three for defenders, and from four point four to four point one for offensive players. Yeah. But still, again, I mean, still not a bad fixture, and you will see that most of the uh, sol like solvers usually like having Newcastle defenders. And certain yeah. models especially like them. Like some models just have triple Newcastle defense. Uh like going from you know game week three four after game week four. Um so So there's something funny here. So I mentioned the order is going like from Brighton, uh sorry, Newcastle, Brighton, and Manchester United. Yeah. So Defensively, that's the order too. Newcastle has 3.8, Brighton has 3.6, and Manchester United has 3.4 uh, expected yeah. value over the horizon for defenders. Mm -hmm. But offensively, the order is just reverse. It is 4.4 for Newcastle, 4.6 for Brighton, and 4.8 for Manchester United. Just consider right. this. The difference between defense and offense of Manchester United is around 1.4 points. So you uh -huh. probably don't want to spend your... Um, you know, Manchester United spots for defenders. And I'm saying this, but I know that lots of people want to have Manchester United's goalkeeper on yeah. Arena, so I, I mean <laughs> So I'm checking it now and they have two tough fixtures here. So the Tottenham game in game week two, they're yeah. projected to get two point nine expected value defensively mm -hmm. and two point six points against Arsenal in game week four away. Uh, so those two fixtures are critical. So if you have some kind of coverage for those two games, that's that's a you know smart thing to do. I I, I will say, but hmm. Manchester United's expected value gets better after this horizon ends. I mean yeah. after these two games. So so one option is to wait until the game before is over, and then we will know more about the team. Maybe their defensive ratings will go up. Yeah, I mean. Uh, obviously, you know, the tough fixtures will be over too, but also we will learn more about, you know, how good they are defensive this season. But Yeah, and I models... think that's also the, the thing with the goalkeeper, right? You, you don't want to, to change your goalkeeper or you don't yeah. want to drop him. So I think that's also why maybe people, yeah, they know about game week two and, and four with Tottenham and Arsenal, but on the longer term... Uh, I think they're comfortable to go with uh, the United goalkeeper also because of the price point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. yeah. So, the I mean, the funny thing is here, Manchester United's fixture again, Arsenal, defensively yeah. is 2.6. Yeah. But Newcastle's fixture again, Manchester's team, game week 2 is 2.7. So, Newcastle has a higher chance of having a clean sheet against Manchester City compared to right. Manchester United having a clean sheet against Arsenal. So 
That's why yeah. I was saying that, okay, you know, this team is playing against Manchester City. I'm not going to have a defender from Newcastle. Yes, but, I mean, Manchester United is not, you know, well, especially, yeah. well, specifically, I should say, I mean, at this point, by the projection models, maybe they will update right. their values after 10 years yeah. are over. But. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good point, especially, I think, for people who have uh, cover on the bench, like yeah. you said. If you start with Onana and you also have a 4.5 million second goalkeeper, then of course you could consider switching. Yeah. But I think most people will have a 5 million and a 4 million goalkeeper. So then yeah, you just stick with your 5 million goalkeeper yeah. for that week. And you know, you hope for a clean sheet or at least maybe some save points. Yeah. I mean, so again, for Manchester United's fixture here, I mean, they have 4.1 against Wolves. I mean, defensively, again, also 4.1 against uh, Nottingham Forest. So that's why if you see a solver picking Onana, it will certainly pick a goalkeeper that it can rotate in game week two and four. Like right. I don't think you will ever see a solver saying that yeah, just get Onana and a four million because right. you will lose lots of expected value. Saying yeah. that, I mean maybe they will keep a clean sheet against Tottenham and Arsenal and then you will, you know, rack up the points. But I mean probably it's like from a probability point of view, it's yeah. unlikely. So I mean, it's just you know better to be prepared. Maybe goalkeeper, yes. But if you if you're planning to have a defender, then you will certainly want to replace them. Yeah, not certain. Uh, no, I think it's really you're free to do. <laughs> yeah. This is of course very detailed level level we're looking at, and I think that's of course also the advantage that analytics can bring, and I think that's also maybe the difference between analytical managers and, and grass managers where yeah as you just described you're looking at that arsenal game with a very uh, small chance of, of a clean sheet and for you it's a reason to go for another goalkeeper uh, while others might be thinking you know more in general terms they're thinking all right united is a good team <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll count on them so i think it's just a level of detail uh, yeah we're looking yeah. at and I think from this chart, and we'll talk about it a bit later, it's also clear why people go for Ederson. Uh, it's always yeah. the big debate, like why would you go for the premium goalkeeper? But I think from this chart, it's it's quite clear. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah, one more interesting thing here is obviously Chelsea. Uh, their yeah. defense rating is better than United, Brighton, Newcastle. So it's 3.9 over this okay. horizon. They are playing against Liverpool, yes, but then they have uh, Luton in game week three and then uh, Nottingham Forest in game week four, and their defensive ratings are 4.6 and 4.3 in these games. So their offense ratings are closer to their defense ratings for these fixtures too. It is like 4.7 against uh, Luton and 4.6 against uh, Nottingham Forest. Yeah. So as you see like there's not much difference between defense and offense expected value when it comes to chelsea and in general it is 3.9 versus 4.3 so i mean compare this to Manchester united where there was like 1.4 expected value difference between defenders and you know offensive players nice. but for chelsea the gap is much smaller yeah and okay so and Brentford is interesting because they have a nice offensive fixture against uh, Crystal Palace in game week 3. Uh, so it is 4.3. And then against Bournemouth, 4.5. And 
against Everton 4.4 in game week 6. So the only problem there is game week 5 against Newcastle mm-hmm. away. So their defensive rating is really bad, but their offense rating is also like 3.5. Not the best. Um, so again, some models suggest having a Mubemo. And right. we, I think often I see that he's either um, benched or like he's kept because I mean his price point makes sense in this fixture, but his expected value is lower than you know what you probably want. And uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, game week five is you know lots of weeks away, so that you might be able yeah. to you know rotate players, transfer players, so that you don't need to actually make him play in this fixture but yeah just something to keep in mind okay and i mean some of these teams are not that uh relevant for most people i will talk about Mm -hmm. crystal palace in game week four they play against walls 4.0 defensive rating 4.2 offensive rating that's a nice fixture and then they play against fulham in game week six those two fixtures are not you know bad actually they're they're nice uh I mean, for their price point. And I know that some people are considering to have a Crystal Palace player. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. one of the... Just wanted, yeah, especially Eze. I think some people are talking about Eze, who, who had a pretty good finish last season. Uh, yeah. And also the, the preseason already did quite well. So that's somebody people are looking at. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So I already see him in some of the analytics uh, managers. Uh, drafts okay yeah i'm not sure if i will have them but yeah all right and okay one funny thing is i mean i was just while looking at this i noticed that there's again 1.1 ev difference between fulham's uh, fulham's defense and offense 2.8 defensive average and 3.9 offensive average so yeah again mm-hmm. i found it pretty interesting so they are for example they're Expected value, defensive expected value against Manchester City in game week four is one point nine. So yeah. you might be wondering, well, the two, they get two points for just playing. So then this means that models predict Manchester City will score more than you know more two goals, goals probably. Yeah. I mean, not, yeah. they won't only lose their clean sheet, but they will probably also concede you know more yeah. goals. So this is this table. I, I also shared it on Twitter. I will try to update it towards the you know deadline but yeah i mean it shows you know what models are thinking in terms of team strength yeah no, that's super interesting and yeah we said we wanted to keep it short so i think we're not really succeeding <laughs> but, it's okay. uh, it's the game week one discussion yeah, game week one is a new chart and it's as i said it's quite detailed maybe for some people too detailed but i think it also shows yeah the level of data we have available mm-hmm. so if you're really into it you know you can dive into it like Sertov was just doing and I think an interesting observation when, when I look at Twitter and, and the drafts that people are sharing uh, a lot of people don't have Liverpool or Newcastle uh, players at least not for the game week one squad whereas if you look at the data from this chart actually Liverpool and Newcastle are number three and four on the chart so maybe maybe we are overlooking uh, those players. Could be. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about not having Liverpool players. I mean, obviously people are some people are you know just fine with it. Uh, most yeah. people, I I should say, and some analytics managers they are kind of you know considering to have 
Salah, for example, yeah. and sell him after game week two because I mean he's also a better player than for that game week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, obviously he's the you know analytics pick <laughs> among all the FPL right. assets in general, but. Yeah, I, I feel okay going without him, to be honest. Yeah, I think the thing is, and I was also mentioned in other podcasts, is that I think nobody is doubting the quality or the potential of, of those players, but you pay a premium, right? Salah, you pay 12.5 million, and, and for Trent, you pay 8 million. Yeah. Um, and if you spread the funds, yeah, there are a lot of attractive players you can find as well for a lower price point. So yeah, you, you take a bet against Liverpool, or let's say you take a bet against Salah and, and Trent, but yeah, you're spreading the risk over, over multiple players. Yeah, I mean, especially Saka's price point. Right. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's too cheap for the you know projected right. points he has, or like right. quality he has, maybe like for an eye test manager like you, I should say that he's really good and he's right. really cheap. So yeah. when we have an option like Saka, I mean, that just makes sense to get him and then, yeah, as you mentioned, Salah is expensive too, and he only okay. has two. Well, game week two fixture is obviously really good, but beyond All that, right. yeah, it's a question mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why Saka. You mentioned him. I think he's the number two pick player now in the game. Uh, yeah, fifty-five percent ownership mm-hmm. uh, behind Haaland with now eighty-seven percent, which is of course. Yeah, I should also mention. Yeah. Yeah, I should also mention that Let's Talk FPL Andy, uh, he yeah. actually asked people to share their drafts and I, I right. helped him to compile the ownership rates. Right. And Saka, if I remember correctly, is owned over 90% of like TV, you know, drafts shared on Twitter. So, so that 55% on FPL, most of the people are probably didn't change their team or they uh. didn't care about it, but People yeah. who are engaged, his ownership right. is around ninety percent. Right. Crazy, I mean, it, it right. just shows that I mean his price was not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, sorry to disappoint anyone who's listening and thought that they uh, were unique with their Saka pick. But that's uh, also what I to say some people complain about that element of the game because yeah there are a lot of popular picks yeah Haaland Saka there are a few others but yeah I think for the start of the season it's you shouldn't be too worried just you know if you think it's a good player go with it don't worry too much about the ownership you just don't want to uh, you don't want to fall behind too much at the start. All right. Well, that's uh, that's that's great, Sirtop. A very interesting new chart, and, and as, as you mentioned, we'll be looking at this every week to see how it evolves, and mm-hmm. of course, also the data gets updated every week based on on the results or based on other information. Um, yeah, you also mentioned that as as there are different data providers, there could be discrepancies in the data. For example, yeah, you also said that uh, one model could say that player X gets uh, three points, while another model might say the player gets eight points. So we want to kind of spot those players and take a look at that. Uh, I think for today it's maybe too early to do that, but I think from next week we can uh, we can give that a try, right? Yeah, I actually wrote the code for you know finding those players, but I wasn't able to generate the visual or the you know the you know final table out of it. Uh, yeah. I saw 
if I remember correctly, De Bruyne was one of them uh, because his minutes yeah. are like going forward. Like we don't know how many minutes we can expect from him. Obviously, yeah. his you know game week one uh, expected minutes are low. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we will we will talk about those kind of players because it's it's valuable because sometimes if you are using only a single projection model or if you are just yeah. following one, you yeah. might think that okay, De Bruyne is not you know a target for me, but yeah. maybe it's he's being underestimated by a single model. You know how about what others are thinking? So. Yeah. We haven't prepared anything for this episode, but yes, starting from the next episode, hopefully we will have players to talk about. Okay, cool. Okay, so we covered quite a lot already, but I think the main thing that everybody would like to know is uh, how the optimal team looks yeah. like for goal week one. So let's cover that one next. Do you have uh, an optimal team ready already? I do. Let me okay. bring it quickly. Okay, let's take a look. So this is the um, team uh, that's generated by model uh, using these seven projection models. I took the, their average, so they're equally weighted at this point. But okay. hopefully, as I mentioned, the weights will change uh, start from next week. Um, so in goal, again, we have a premium goalkeeper. Again, we have Ederson. And yeah. if... I didn't see Ederson here. I was going to add him, like force include him, so that I can actually tease you a little bit. But I'm glad he just appeared on his own. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and this season also, like we also mentioned in the last episode, I think he also has M at the end of his name. So he's right. not only Ederson, but he's an upgraded version. So you, you should oh. definitely should get the premium goalkeeper. But... It's a different goalkeeper, yeah. Yeah. So... We have Gabriel in defense and Estupinan, uh, Ruben Diaz, Trippier. And in midfield, we have Odegaard, Saka, Mubemo, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford. And in forward, right. we have Holland as the captain for the game week one. And in bench, we have Hennessy. Pinnock is the defender on bench, but he gets rotated with other defenders here, except Diaz. And Woodrow and Archer are other, you know, that bench spots. This team is interesting uh, because yeah. when I was testing earlier, obviously it was getting both Holland and uh, Jesus, and so yeah. it had a different structure. But I think now everyone is considering a four-five-one uh, formation because, yeah, I mean the forwards they basically disappeared suddenly, so we had some options. But now Holland is looks like he's the only option. So most people, I think, will. Try to make you know four or five one work unless we get you know, a new piece of information, obviously. Yeah, and maybe just for people that didn't follow the news, so uh, Jesus uh, is injured, and the news is that he will be out for a few weeks. And I think also Nukunku, who was a popular option or who was a popular option, is also now without. So I think that's why you said that we have more limited options in attack now, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. And also, yeah, because maybe people are wondering why we're making fun about the Ederson pick, because this is also something that came up a lot last season. You know, Ederson is always shown by the score as, as the popular pick. <laughs> last year, City conceded a lot of goals, even though they were dominant. 
they managed to concede uh, often in the game a silly goal. So that's why, yeah, Ederson as a premium pick was often not getting the points. But, you know, purely looking from the data and... And as we always say, uh, also, you know, with City and Pep Roulette, you never are sure who will be uh, in the starting lineup in the defense, but you will always be sure that Ederson will play. So that's also <laughs> kind of a, <laughs> that's kind of a, a secure way of getting the, the City uh, points, let's say, <laughs> if they don't compete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and... Okay. So this is the, yeah, this is the no transfer, no scheduled transfer plan. And so the good thing about this is it rotates players um, nicely in defense. It doesn't make Gabriel play against Tottenham, Estupinan against Newcastle and Trippier against Manchester City. Instead, it has Pinnock playing, like covering for them in game week two against Fulham, game week four against uh, Bournemouth and game week six against Everton. So All this right. is kind of like a nice rotation is found by yeah. the solver. But again, uh, the projection data will get updated so that this will likely change. But I, I, I these kind of stuff I like. I mean, it, it makes sense from a fixture point of view. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I also, that's, pretty, yeah. that's pretty neat. And what I also find interesting is that the, the solver picks Bruno and Rashford together. Uh, I did hear that being mentioned by some other managers. For example, I, I listen a lot to the FPL general, who's more of an eye test manager. And I think he also was going for Bruno and Rashford. So it's quite interesting that also now the data is, is proven and that could be a good option. Uh, which maybe normally uh, in previous seasons, it's not something a lot of people would do, as, as these are you know two midfielders, quite premium. But also, yeah, maybe the, yeah. I don't know. I wanted to say this year it's more affordable. I'm not sure if that's true. Actually, actually, yes. As Rashford got more expensive this year. Yeah, it's still. I think they still make sense. I mean, yeah. like Fernandez, like when we tried with sensitivity analysis, he was appearing in maybe over ninety percent of the optimal teams. Okay. So his price point for the expected value he brings to the team is pretty yeah. good. So yeah, I mean, Rashford is obviously. His projections yeah. are even higher. And the other one that's interesting is Saka with Odegaard. I think yeah, we talked about Saka. I think that one is obvious. But I would say that most people now uh, are t- talking about Martinelli. Martinelli, that's, yeah. yeah. That's about Odegaard. So yeah. it's, it's interesting to see that the data has a preference for Odegaard, even though he's uh, half a million more expensive. Also. Yeah, I think there's a small difference between the two. I mean, you can replace okay. Odegaard with Martinelli here and then probably get a very decent expected value. Again, yeah. I mean, that's why I think the sensitivity analysis will make more sense for us to cover later. Yeah. Because, okay. I mean, it's not, you know, 100% clear that the Odegaard is the better pick here. It's just the model, pay, like, prefers yeah. if every like we put everything together but for probably yeah. a small margin and maybe it's also a safer option uh, i think odegaard's minutes are probably more secure um that there is a bit more rotation risk now in the arsenal side with some mm-hmm. of the new signings um so yeah maybe that could be one consideration if you have half a million extra to spend maybe you go for odegaard above martinelli yeah Checking, but yeah, I need to check it later. Uh, okay. Yeah, there should be a small difference between the two. Um, and let me talk about the team with the transfers allowed. So, okay. 
well, if you just allow transfers like completely, it goes and makes like crazy transfers. I try to, you know, control it a little bit by penalizing transfers. So penalizing transfers mean that you are telling Solver that if you are going to make a transfer, make it worth it. Like I don't want to pick a player just for a single game week and then sell him later, or maybe you know pick someone, play him in a single game week and then you know keep it, him on the bench. So then Solver goes for only the transfers that it really thinks will make a difference. Yeah. And in this case, the the team we have is Ederson in the goal again. Um, actually. I'm checking. It's the sa exact same team, I think. Yeah, it's the exact same team we have just discussed. Yeah. And for the four game week, it has the same team. And then in the four, like when you are go going from game week four to game week five, it replaces uh -huh. Estupinan with Shar. And then in game week seven, it replaces Ruben Diaz with Potman. So that, uh -huh. as you see, it has uh, triple Newcastle. Uh, defenders like <laughs> we have mentioned about right. that. so right. because they their uh, XP for that game week game week seven and game week eight and beyond is good and okay. if you have been if you're just checking this numbers uh, on YouTube version you might be wondering you know why game week eight values are so high I mean so for example Trippia has 16.53 expected value for game week eight so I have been testing this a new idea of adding future game weeks. Oops. Oh, okay. Future game weeks to the last game week of the horizon at a decayed rate, so that the the logic behind it is when you end the horizon, you will still have a good team for the long term, so that right. you won't get stuck with a team that is maybe terrible in game week nine. So right. that's why I, I I add them to the game week eight team. Okay. And the whole horizon, it keeps only Holland as a forward, surprisingly. I was thinking that maybe it will bring another forward at one point. Oh, really? But, yeah, only, only forward it brings is Watkins in game week 8. Yeah. Um, uh, like, sending Woodrow, and it actually downgrades Odegaard for that purpose. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's okay. probably a consideration, but... Hmm. Interesting. Because I started my... Uh, game week one, let's say, tinkering with a four-four-five-one formation, but then I quickly changed it. But maybe I need to consider it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But as you said, I think yeah, quite some things changed, and you know, quite some things will change also over the next days, over the next week. Uh, today, uh, Jesus got injured, but you know, maybe tomorrow there's something else happening, or maybe some players are still coming in. So that makes it, of course, also difficult to already talk now about a final team. Uh, but at least, you know, we are sharing the information as we have it at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we had a question from FPL Gerald who wanted to hear about our processes for picking the game week one squad. And I think uh, for you, Sertov, you, yeah, you will base your picks on the data and on the solver as, as you just went through it, or are you also still making some, some kind of manual changes to, to anything? Um, last season, I was trying to play a little bit smarter, <laughs> I should say. I mean, in my <laughs> first season, I was just like, whatever the expected value is, I will try to maximize it with the solver. And I will pick the player probably suggested by the solver as the first pick, unless there is something weird uh, going on. 
and so I think that was I mean I mean in my first season obviously at the beginning of the season I didn't know what I was doing like chips transfers it was a little bit confusing my second season went really well I you know finished around 3000 and I mostly followed the you know solver suggestions and last season I I tried to play smart I think I I made some choices against expected value whenever I think that yeah I think I know better than the model and it didn't turn out well. And also some game weeks, I was like, whenever there's a very small expected value difference between, let's say, Hala and Holland, I was saying that, yeah, Salah is higher, I will captain him. That also didn't work well. So those kind of, like, you know, field decisions define my whole season. And so this season, I mean, especially at the beginning of game week one, I don't want to schedule too many transfers. But at the same time, I want to keep my options open. One thing that I did well at the beginning of last season is keeping my third city spot open yeah. in case I need to buy Holland. I, I I kind of knew that it was a possibility that, you know, he will get more minutes than we were expecting because we were trying to, you know, just estimate how many minutes he can get. And, you know, we were hoping that Pat will, you know, keep him on the bench as probably longer than, you know, uh, other players, but it didn't happen, so I had to uh, buy Holland. So I, yeah, I I was able to do it because I had the, my you know third city spot open, and that's something I try to do. Like I check the optimal team, but I don't think okay, this is optimal. I maximize my expected value. This is it. I try to play with you know injuries. Like what happens if I need to replace this player? What happens if I need to replace this player? And that is a little bit complicated. And there is not a, I should say, like a very scientific method behind it. You just try to, obviously, you try to maximize, again, expected value. But you need to be aware, you know, you need to test it. You need to bend the player, run the solver again, see how much expected value you are losing. And usually it's time-consuming. So... In order to do it, what I do is I run sensitivity analysis for, let's say, 50 times. I try to check which players appear regardless of what happens. Like, Fernandez was one of them. I will repeat the tests, obviously. But those players I like immediately. Because you know that there's no chance that there is another expected value optimal team without them in it. So I just like them. It also makes solver go faster. Then... After I lock a few players, maybe like six of them, then I run longer solves by randomly changing data. Like randomly changing data. By that, I mean, I I assume that a player gets injured in game week two randomly. You know, what happens in this case? What happens in this case? And then I generate lots of scenarios with it. I run all of them and try to see again what's common. So it is kind of like an iterative approach for me. I make yeah. a few iterations, lock some players, make a more few iterations. And in this case, for example, I also have transfers. So there is a chance that I will start with Salah, for example, and then sell him game after game week two. Right. It's possible. But then again, I need to see how he plays with other players I have locked into my team. And yeah. if 
picking him is making me lose expected value, then yeah, I won't. But that's pretty much the process. I mean, it's a very complicated. It's unfortunately not like a, I click the solve button and then it gave me the team and then I used it. But it yeah. takes a few more iterations than that. There's more to it. So if yeah, how about it, yeah, how about yeah. you, boss? How how do you <laughs> choose your team? No, I just wanted to say, if people think it's easy the way you do it, it's it's not the case, and there's a lot of time uh, and a lot of thoughts into it. But indeed, uh, I, I'm completely different. <laughs> uh, maybe also for the the new listeners, uh, we mentioned it at the beginning. So Sertal is the data scientist. You know, he looks at the data. I'm more the casual manager. Uh, maybe a lot of people listening can relate to it. You know, <laughs> I play football myself. I watch games, so I think I know a lot. Uh, but uh, as as previous seasons have shown, Sertal uh, managed to beat me in this game but, three uh, times uh, already, right? Uh, was it? I think was it two times or three times? Anyway, I think three times should be two. I'm, I'm looking forward. So, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this season. I definitely take in information. You know, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I look what other people are sharing. Uh, I look at some of the data, but mostly based on this podcast, looking at what what Surtop has prepared. I'm not going into you know FPL review or, or other data sources myself. Um, and and most of my picks uh, more it's based on on gut feeling. I would say. Um, so that's also where the, the contrast in this podcast is coming from. So just, just my, my process this year, uh, I try to not think about it too much. I think that was a mistake I made last year. Last year, I was really excited also, I think, because we just started the, the podcast. So I spent almost all summer uh, thinking about FBL, making daily changes and, you know, when we were at game week one, I was already quite tired of it. <laughs> oh. so, I don't, I don't want, I didn't want to make that mistake again. So what I did this year, yeah, what I did this year, you know, I I made a first draft and then, yeah, I did, I did consume some content, not too much. I'm I'm starting to build it up now, the the content consumption. I'm also now making a, let's say more frequent changes, but, but as mentioned earlier, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's still in a way a little bit useless because so much can still change, right? Injuries, new players can come in. But yeah, it's good to already have some ideas in mind. So, but yeah, uh, if if, I, the, if it was the deadline today, is right. this going to be your team? Okay. Yeah, or, uh, we can definitely look at it. I can I can talk through it, and and this is the team that I changed uh, today as as the the Jesus injury came in. Actually, this morning I still had uh, three attackers with uh, Jesus, uh, Nukunku, and Haaland. Uh, but in my latest draft, uh, I changed it. So what I'm playing with at the moment, or what I'm thinking to play with, is uh, Onana and Goal. Uh, I know Onana from his Ajax days, so I watched him quite a lot. He's a very exciting goalkeeper, so uh, I think I think it's an interesting option. Uh, Astupin and Chilwell Gabriel in the back. Then midfield, Foden, Saka, Mitoma, Rashford, Martinelli. And then in front, Haaland and uh, João Pedro. And I have two playing bench options with Watkins and uh, Pau from uh, the new Villa defender. And then I also have one cheap uh, defender, uh, 4 million, who's who's not really supposed to come on. But uh, with two playing bench players, I should have enough flexibility. So, yeah, as I said, I had Nukunku and Jesus in my team. I was aiming to go with either 3-4-3 or 3-5-2. 
but after the injury news today, I, I decided first to switch to Watkins. Uh, that's the same price. And Nukunko, I still need to think about it. I, I moved him out, but he might still be okay for game week one. So I could go back to him. I could also go for Jackson at Chelsea, also looked pretty interesting so far. But in the draft I just went through, uh, I decided to go for Joao Pedro. Uh, to be honest, I don't know him that well, but I did see some reports about him. It looks promising. He's quite cheap. And that allowed me then to upgrade uh, Mabomo to Martinelli. So, you know, I needed to find the third uh, Arsenal asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the moment it's Martinelli. Um, and I also went from Ake to Chilwell. Uh, for half a million more. Because so, yeah, on the one hand, I wanted the City defender. We talked about it early, earlier. Uh, City has a good one of fixtures, and, and their defense is probably the best in the league. But on the other hand, yeah, there is Pep Roulette. So uh, it can always drive us a bit crazy. And and I think Chelsea, they, they've been looking good in preseason. Also, Chilwell has been looking good. So I'm, I'm quite happy to start with him and then to see how it goes. Um, some other players that I still have in my mind, um, Darwin Nunez could be interesting, but also for Liverpool, yeah. a lot of rotation doubts. Um, but he could be interesting maybe instead of Watkins. Uh, Odegaard instead of Martinelli, but I would need to find that half a million somewhere. And yeah, I'm also quite okay to stick to Martinelli. So yeah, that's where I am at the moment. Not final, but... Um, yeah, I'm quite. I would be quite happy to go with this team. I think we, I have some picks that are seen, let's say, in also in, in the template teams. But I also think I have a few different ones, maybe with with Foden, uh, starting with Chilwell, which not everybody will do. Maybe, uh, yeah, just just a few. And I, I I also want to play a little bit safe. Like last year, I went against Haaland, uh, and that kind of ruined my season right at the start. So this this year I I want to go a little bit safer from the start, try try to start uh, try to keep up with the field, uh, sort sort to say sort of thing, and then uh, you know see later on what changes I'll make. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's very very template. I mean, even like for the yeah. <laughs> and Chilwell, I think in the Andy's uh, video or. Work, I should say, he's picked by around fifty percent of the like every all, all submissions. Yeah, and already. Most of the people have him in their bench, though. I yeah. think it's like twenty eight percent of them have him in their bench. Twenty two percent have it have him yeah. in the lineup. So you know, I think... they start against Liverpool, so that's why maybe people put him on the bench. But I think yeah. on the other hand, if you have Chilwell in your team, you know, you can always score points. Uh, and I'm personally, I'm not too convinced about Liverpool. I hope they prove me wrong because I, you know, I like Klopp, I like Virgil, I like Liverpool, but uh, I still have some doubts over how they will do this season. Uh, so I don't, I don't mind to bet against them in the first game. I had the same idea with Nukunku. You know, I think uh, Liverpool will concede, uh, so I, I didn't mind that first game against Liverpool for Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good team. Yeah, yeah, as you said, maybe it's quite template, but uh, yeah, I don't want to be too different also. But uh, the thing which is a bit strange, and, and we talked about it already earlier, is that I have zero Liverpool, and I think a lot of other teams also have zero Liverpool. And, and that's really different compared to other years, right? Other years, it was always like, okay, uh, which three Liverpool players do you pick? 
and now uh, we see a lot of teams with with zero Liverpool. And I think you're a Liverpool fan, right, Sir Top? So how are you feeling about this? <laughs> yeah, from that perspective, it feels weird to be completely honest. I mean, I'm upset that I don't have uh, you know Alexander Arnold or Salah in my team. Yeah. But yeah, I also you know understand that the pictures are not favorable or maybe team you know doesn't have that much expected value to justify their price tag yeah i'm okay without you know having any Liverpool right. players uh i mean if i had like three everton players <laughs> and no liverpool players that could have been pretty weird but yeah, yeah. my team is pretty nice i think yeah. All right. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And as we said before, I think it, it could make sense to, to spread the funds, but let's see, you know, Salah always does doing well in game week one. So he could punish all of us. Uh, he could score a trick and then yeah. uh, we want, we want to jump back on him for the game week two fixture. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that could happen. <laughs> let's see. Certainly. All right. Uh, we spoke about many different things already. Maybe we did speak also about the goalkeeper position, um, yeah. you know, as I said, I think we always see that the Solver likes to go with a premium option. Often it's Ederson. Uh, he's now priced at 5.5 million. But uh, there's also a lot of managers also on Twitter that, that always say that they, they don't want to spend more than 4.5. So yeah. you know, they just want to go for cheap, uh, the, the cheap goalkeeper option. So maybe do you want to explain again why, from an optimal perspective, uh, a premium goalkeeper is, is often preferred? Yeah, premium goalkeepers are preferred by solvers usually because of the expected value. I mean, it's high enough that it justifies the price tag. I mean, right. even if you check the expected value per you know, 1 million uh, ratio, you often see them at the top. And yeah. there's usually not enough, you know, reasons to have that extra, you know, like if you're picking a you know, goalkeeper for 5 million instead of 5.5, I mean, that 0 0.5 million, you know, what are you doing with it? Like, which player yeah. are you upgrading? So, yeah. most of the time, since because of the prices are a little bit weird, like, you are able to lock a very good midfield and, you know, good defenders, even good forwards, and still have some money left. I mean, you can, you know, yeah. obviously upgrade some of them. But it doesn't make the, enough difference as much as the goalkeeper does. And... Ederson, I mean, last season was a little bit unlucky, but in the seasons before that, I mean, Ederson was able to get lots of points. And yeah. even, like, just checking by the, you know, historical data, you might be saying that, well, you know, I will get Ederson and just, you know, don't think about it. He's, like, a meme at this point. People are like, no, yeah. no way, Ederson. Yeah. Yeah. And he conceded from a very low XG shots. Which yeah. is annoying, which was annoying when I had him, and I I I can imagine that it still frustrates people. Um, yeah. But yeah, goal premium goalkeepers are often preferred because of that. But again, losing clean sheet is so easy. I mean, it's just you know yeah. one goal and then you you lose it. So variance for the goalkeepers is a little bit high because I mean they are obviously either getting two or six, but. I mean, depending on the, you know, clean sheet percentage, you know, it could be anywhere in between. And also some goalkeepers also get save points. Some goalkeepers get bonus points. So when you have a premium goalkeeper who doesn't get too many shots, 
that oh, you're okay. not getting extra points. You, the best chance you're getting a clean sheet unless he concedes oh. from a low extra shot. Oh. And on the other hand, there's this 4.5 million goalkeeper or 5 million goalkeeper who is getting lots of bonus points, you know, save, getting lots of, you know, save points from the shots he receives. So, obviously, there are there are always better goalkeepers for cheaper price. I mean, there's no question about it. The question is, are you able to identify them before it happens? Right. And, I mean, data says that Manchester City has a good defense, so they will likely to keep a clean sheet compared to other teams. That's why, you know, Ederson is optimal. Yeah. Again, I mean, if you're using a solver, you can easily say that I don't want a premium goalkeeper. You know, what's what's the best? That That's also possible. And lots yeah. of people do it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, premium goalkeepers often appear as optimal because of it. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. But people, people get quite funny yeah. <laughs> when they hear it. But yeah, uh, good that, it's good that you explained it again. And I, you know, I had Ederson for a few weeks last season, and indeed he, he conceded. So then you're like, okay, why why am I paying a premium if they concede anyway? But you know, that maybe was an outlier, especially I think if we look at the fixtures for City this at the start of the season. Yeah, uh, we should we should keep an open mind. And while discussing this, I, I'm I'm rethinking my <laughs> my plan because. <laughs> Okay, so I did have a city defender, but now I moved into Chilwell, so maybe yeah. you know, maybe I don't have enough city coverage now. But yeah, I'll see. Um, you know, as you said, from Onana to Ederson, it's just half a million, so maybe I can find it somewhere. Uh, I did look at the four and a half million goalkeepers. I, I, honestly, I, I, I'm not too uh, interested okay. by the option at the moment. As you say, you know, maybe. There could be somebody who will prove us wrong, and then yeah, we can still go there for, let's say, the, the wild card or earlier on for a swap. Something that happened today, I, I don't know if it's confirmed, but it seems that uh, Sanchez is going from Brighton to Chelsea. Yeah, so I, I saw that. Yeah, well, I assume he will be the backup for Kappa, but uh, maybe something to keep an eye on. He's four and a half million, you know, if, if by surprise he turns out to be now the number one goalkeeper. Then, then that could be a very interesting option, of course. Yeah. Personally, I also like Verbruggen at Brighton, but that's maybe because he's Dutch, like like me. <laughs> uh, but he's a very promising young goalkeeper. He, he, he uh, was in the goal for Anderlecht in Belgium here last season, and he impressed many people. I think that's also why Brighton bought him. So I don't know. He's still quite young. I think he's, he's 20 years old. So I, I don't know if he will go into the goal right away. I think for the moment, it looks like Steele will still have to spot. But keep an eye on uh, Verbrugge because he's really talented. Um, all right. Maybe still something related to the goalkeepers to finish with is that uh, goalkeepers and defense in general is that we saw an announcement from the Premier League that they are planning to add more time. Uh, something that we also saw at the World Cup, uh, that, that the time lost, for example, for goal celebrations or for free kicks or penalties yeah. is being added. So what we could see is that like eight or nine minutes get added each half. And I think some people are already tweeting about it saying, well, you know, if there is more time uh, to play football, then it's also more, there's more time to score a goal. So maybe this uh, reduces the likeliness of, of clean sheets and, and therefore makes uh, the expected value of defenders uh, less. 
So is this something you already seen uh, or is this something you already been discussing sort of or is it, is it too early? Yeah, you mentioned this to me uh, and it makes sense intuitively if you assume that the game goes like goes on an infinite amount of time. Yeah. There's a probability of one that they will, you know, consider goal at one right. point, regardless of which team it is. So nine minutes added is, a, you know, serious, you know, it might have serious impacts on yeah. you know, how many minutes ball is in the play. And so, well, obviously clean sheet probabilities will go down unless they have considered it already. I... If I remember correctly, review said something about it, and he changed the minute range to like ninety minutes to ninety-five minutes, so that you know more, like you have you know better control over you know how many minutes people are yeah. playing, and then you can calculate the probability of getting a clean sheet better, or I should say the expected value. Um, I don't think every model has done it already because some of these models came out before. Uh, this change was uh, yeah. this change happened yes but definitely yes the expected yeah. value for defenders and goalkeepers should go down as a result of it but how much yeah. I think that will be also obvious after you know the league starts I mean Premier yeah. League saying that yeah I mean we will add more minutes but yeah. <laughs> are the referees gonna actually do it I mean in the World yeah. Cup it was interesting as you yeah, we'll see, and maybe you know what you also often see is that then they pay a lot of attention to to it during the start of the season, and then during the season it fades away again. Yeah, so, it happens. So let's see how this will work out. It's an interesting concept because I think if you look at, I don't remember the stats exactly, but I think it's something like fifty-five or sixty minutes is is what the net playing time often is. So you know, out of a ninety minutes game, uh, if you look at the time that actually the teams are playing football it's, it's just 60 minutes let's say and the rest of the time yeah either the ball is out of play or you know there's an injury or people are waiting so yeah that that's something that has been talked about more in the past like how can we make the game more attractive like how can we make sure that uh the net playing time increases and, and this is of course one way to do it to, to add more yeah. extra time then I mean, so, yeah, if, yeah, that will, uh, if that will happen and, and what the, the impact will be, so it's something yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, sounds like you know, game time will increase around 10%. Uh, if I understand yeah. correctly, almost uh, at most, uh, I should say, five to ten. Yeah, it could be even more eh? because it's uh, for each half, so I yeah, think yeah. You, yeah. Oh, each half, you're right, yeah, yeah, each half, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, like, then, yeah, uh, I mean, almost 20%. Huh? So, yeah, it, it, then it should have a very significant, like, visible impact on the players yeah. and expected value. So if it, yeah. so if the expected value for defenders doesn't drop sharply, and, like, suppose this is being implemented, like, referees are actually going with this, adding, like, yeah. eight minutes at the end of each half. Yeah. If expected value for defenders are not going down, then we know that, there is a lazy person <laughs> behind the right, model right, right. who forgot to update the the yeah. values. I mean, I, mean, I I expect them to go down, and they're not. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we talked about it, but defender expected value is al already low, and if it goes down a little bit more, yeah, I mean, maybe three defender setups will be more popular, just okay. like you have. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, all right. Well, let's keep an eye on it. We will definitely do that. Uh, as we said at the beginning, we will look at the data and we will give you the weekly updates on how the data is changing. So this is one element we can keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. All right. I think this ends this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the new format. We didn't use, let's say, the shorter format, <laughs> but we did use some of the new charts. So that was, I think, already good to uh, to, yeah, to 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 take a look at and uh, to give a kind of a teaser. Uh, Sertab, anything you still want to add before we close it? Yeah, I want to mention two things. Uh, the first one is our Discord server. Uh, we have an FPL analytics Discord server that I have been running for a while now. And um, people on the, in this server are, you know, interested in analytics, obviously. Some of them yeah. do analytics for a living or they use analytics already for FPL. There are people who are interested in learning about analytics. So we welcome all. Uh, we try to you know, teach each other and help each other. So it's a very, I should say, better place than Twitter is. So if you have been bothered by the recent changes by uh, uh, Elon Musk and looking for a place to, you know, to migrate, I mean, our Discord server is really nice. Okay. And the second thing is our uh, podcast, Minley League. So Bas actually asked about it and he said, like, why don't we have a mini league for the podcast? And I said, I don't know. Maybe we should. And we created a mini league and the code, uh, I will post it below the um, both the YouTube version and also the podcast description. But the code yeah. is 0JSDLA. Yeah. And we have more than 50 teams in it already. We would like to see you too. I mean, if you're enjoying the pod and we will keep an eye on it and we will try to give shots to whoever is leading the league. And also maybe we can also even check the ownership rates from this league to see if people are really paying attention to the podcast or yeah. not. So right. yeah, I'm just kidding, but yeah. So we have a mini league now. Yay. Okay, cool. Yeah, and actually the idea came from uh, Greg Andrews Berner, who is uh, a frequent listener and also often sends in his questions on Twitter. So Greg, if you're listening, thanks for suggesting that idea. Um, we took immediate action and created the mini league. So we hope that we'll see you there as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Well, this was FPL Optimized Podcast, episode number 51. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back again with another podcast next week ahead of the Game Week 1 deadline. And of course, we'll look at the latest data then and also talk about our updated drafts. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you will get notified when the next episode is released. And do follow us on Twitter or as it's now called X. Uh, for Surtalp, it's at Surtalp below. And for me, it's at Belfi BB. And as of this season, you can also find us on YouTube. So hope to see you there as well. All right. Until next time, stay curious and stay analytical. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>